Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorn and Bone Daddy as your hosts, we wish to help you as players and game masters from the aspiring to the veteran with questions, ideas, and interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. You walk into a dimly lit room, a table with seven chairs, three on each side with one at its head. Sitting there is a mysterious figure, its face half obscured by the shadow of a hooded cloak. A slow smile becomes visible in the flickering light. It leans forward, handing you a set of strangely shaped stones and says, go ahead, roll initiative. Today, we have two awesome guests who have come to bestow upon us their tools, tips, and wise thoughts on not only how to become a better DM or story weaver, but also how to make better stories while playing D&D. From the podcast with over 50 episodes, please welcome the co-hosts of How to Be a Better DM podcast, Justin and Tanner. Thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Honestly, love to be here. You guys have already been a treat. Yeah, that, awesome. that intro is, is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the big things that I wanted to get into um, was uh, was your, your podcast. Um, you guys have a, a sponsor. You guys um, do, uh, it seems like you sponsor somebody else I saw on Instagram as well. Can you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that, Justin? Yeah, so uh, I'm... And, and uh, for those of you out there who aren't marketing geeks like me a little bit, this is a little bit uh, in the marketing weeds, but uh, <clears throat> it, one of the ways to increase podcast listenership is to put ads on, on podcast players and things like that. You know, And I was like, hey, uh, I could maybe put ads on real live play D&D podcasts and, and that hopefully should be cheaper than just doing it across like Overcast or whatnot. And, and uh, I have to say the coolest part of that is you know reaching out to people like you guys and and also honestly that's probably the coolest part about the whole dnd community is you know uh you reach out to someone and you're like hey collaboration or can i ask you this question and just like excitement and you know energy comes back to you and just like hey it's so cool that you're here like awesome that you're you even exist it's just it's just really cool so that's that's one thing i got to say to the listener awesome yeah that's really fun yeah, it, it is. And it's it's a definitely a close-knit community once you get out there and actually put yourself out there for it. Um, and I'll, I'll just ask some of the basic questions that we tend to ask all of our, all of our interview subjects is, how did you find out about D&D? When did you start playing Age? And just how did you get into this, this beautiful game? Sure. Tanner, do you actually want to go first since I've yeah, gone yeah. first on everything else? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so for me, it started... Uh, basically, soon after I started college, I had always heard about D&D before then, but it was around then when I had a lot of my uh, my friends and my cousins kind of really get into it as well, uh, which I don't think it's a surprise because they started having money too um, and time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I found that a lot of them, especially one of my cousins, he was uh, Wesley. He, he was really big influence to getting uh, me and a bunch of my friends into it because uh, he would just be like hey I've got this thing and he the way he did it was so funny to me uh, even to today he would run the you know the lost minds of Fandelver for other people yeah. and then be like how, how, about, how about you guys try it out and then he would never you know DM again uh, essentially <laughs> you know and and it was great because we loved it and since then I've you know I've played a, a really good amount of D&D &D. 
a lot of different settings, but you know, I, I still look back and it's just, it's just fun. That memory of starting, you know, cause it's also new and everything. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Justin. Yeah. So, uh, my, my story is a little bit similar to Tanner. So gosh, when I was like 10 or 12, you know, uh, you always look for cool fantasy books or, or even cool picture books, you know, and, uh, my older brother who was so much cooler than me that I could never hang out with him and his friends, you know, <laughs> um, he had uh, a D&D, he had a couple D&D books. One was the Monster Manual. And I don't remember what edition it was, but I know it was like, it looked kind of old and, and stuff. And I always thought like, wow, this would be such so cool to play. But like the numbers seemed really confusing. Uh, fast forward like 10 years. I had a buddy say, hey, you want to come play, uh, you know, a Star Wars RPG game? Because I'm a big Star Wars fan too. Uh, and I was like, yeah, cool. Like, that sounds awesome. And he introduced me to that. And then my brother was like, you know, that's like nothing like D&D, right? And I was like, wait, like, what do you mean? And he's like, you, you even roll different dice. And I was like, what? And then he, and then he DM'd for me and... From there, it just uh, kind of spiraled upward or downward, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long have you guys been DMing? Or as we'd like to say, story weaving? Sure. So I'm actually kind of new to DMing. Like I kind of fell into it because as a lot of DMs, you don't have a DM. So you're like, well, I guess I'm the only one who's going to do it if I want to play. Uh, it's been probably about two-ish years, actually. Okay. Uh, which which is probably surprising to some of our podcast listeners because I get messages from people who are like, I've been doing this for 10 years and like, thank you so much for the podcast. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you guys know <laughs> way more than me. So, but that's one thing that I also like about this is, you know, even if you're new or, or old in the game, uh, you can still give something and you can still learn something, which is also cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it's been about six years on and off, but uh yeah, same. Uh, ditto to what Justin said. Uh, I think that the great thing about D&D is you can get as into it as you're willing to kind of like binge, you know, which I found that I did as soon as I got into D&D. It was just like, okay, yeah. need to know everything, you know? <laughs> yes. And what about you guys? How long have you guys been DMing or story weaving? <laughs> Illidane. Uh, I've been playing for about 16 years now. Uh, my first ever session was in 2E with Thacko, and I'm glad I'm out of it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I've been DMing for uh, off and on about seven years now, uh, so not too much long. Uh, Thorn's the the dinosaur here. <laughs> Bone Daddy, how long have you been DMing? Um, I've been DMing for uh, like four years, five years, four years. Oh, nice. Four years, maybe. <laughs> I, but time has no meaning to me, apparently. <laughs> um, it's a I've Monday. Been, You're okay. I've, I've been playing D D for 32 years. Um, yes. I've been DMing off and on for probably close to 25 of that. Wow. Uh, I started out in AD and D. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, I don't yeah. even remember most of it. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> it's been so long since I've played it. Yeah. Um, I do remember it took a long time to do anything, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful game, and that's kind of why I'm with these two guys because they they have different types of experience, and they both excel at different parts of the game. So it's really fun to play with both of them, and it's I love their their DMing style. It's really great. So, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this is be well. I'm not going to say it's going to be my last question because it probably won't. Um, your first characters, tell me if you remember them. Tell me who they are and honestly, how much you loved them. 
Tanner. Okay. Yeah. So my first was a bard and I'm, oh man, I'm forgetting his name, but I know that his whole thing was like, he'd perform by doing jokes. Um, and they weren't great, but <laughs> like, I, I think that, uh, I forget which spell it was. It, it might've been Bane, but, um, like I would, I was like, okay, whenever this, ha- I use this spell, I'm going to do a bad pun. And that's what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I remember that. Uh, aside from that, um, and that was actually in that Lost Minds of Fandelver uh, whole uh, story. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, and in fact, I think that Bards, uh, I like how flexible they are. Just like, I, I'm not the kind of person who likes to you know min max into one specific area i kind of generalize so much that i become useless but i kind of enjoy that too and i find that bards uh, fill that role so essentially you're saying bards are useless right i'm saying that they are so <laughs> widespread that it's uh i'm saying battles yeah <laughs> i think battles <laughs> could be more effective if you're just like hey i'll just be a warrior just swing away you know yeah. I mean, everyone sure. needs a distraction, you know? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, Justin, what about you? Yeah, so I don't remember the name either. I know it was something kind of foppish. Um, and we were playing the Princes of the Apocalypse uh, campaign. Uh, my brother was DMing, and he's kind of a hard DM, because I remember my character wasn't great, and so I was getting super frustrated. He was a water ganasi rogue who could basically do nothing. Like, I... I tried to do super charismatic but even that he was just terrible at and just <laughs> I, th- I think he died like very early on in the campaign and then the campaign fell apart because everyone else died too or something it was it was tragic <laughs> but it happens it's very common actually <laughs> <laughs> um so since we're on the subject of your of the first care the first um characters you played uh, what is your like favorite um class like combination that you've played or that you've seen played better yet since we've already talked about characters you've played i'll go with this one uh i i think that rangers are surprisingly fun because kind of going along with bard i find the rangers have a lot of variety as well you know they can be really good at combat but also if you're feeling a little bit weird you can you can have a pet because why not <laughs> yeah you know Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That's that's kind of where I. That's the ranger's the one that I'm really kind of leaning into in this moment. That's probably going to change, but uh, yeah, I just I just love it for its variety and also versatility. Because uh, personally, I've been really into uh, making like campaigns or sessions based around more wilderness kind of survival versus dungeons or towns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, a ranger is great there too, you know, because you got uh, all that survival element. So, yeah, that's that's my answer. Definitely. As, as, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, as, as far as my answer, I I really like artificers, though I haven't had a chance to actually like play one in depth. Every time I do it, it dies. But I think that's more because I have a terrible track record. But I think that's more because I usually tend to go Warforged as well. And every, anytime I've made a Warforged character, even if they're not Artificer, and I've had someone else play them even, they died. So uh, someday I'll, I'll do it, but I, I like those. For some reason, I think maybe that's just how I like wish I was in real life. But anyways. 
Yeah, I can. I, I, mine's wizard, so like every they make fun of me. Uh, uh, <laughs> we don't make fun of you. We just don't see the point. I'm just like I just want to cast spells and be really good at shit. I mean, like, <laughs> like, <leave> me alone. <laughs> um, and I, I'll speak from experience. You're going to change your favorite classes a million times. I used I'm, to play nothing but wizards. I'm into more rogues, rangers now, fighters. Uh, little, very little magic because it just takes so long, so my, long in battle. My dance, <laughs> like my yeah. solid hardcover of magic. Um. So, well, now that we've gotten your um, your favorite like classes and character combinations to play, are, have you? How do you approach homebrew in your games? Like, um, do you have any like favorite homebrew ideas or anything along those lines? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. So, um, one thing that I actually like to do, I'm a huge fan of one shots, um, and I found that kind of deploying homebrew content in one shots is pretty useful because. Uh, if, if it sucks, then you don't have to worry about it. You know, you don't have to tell your player, hey, I'm taking this away from you. Uh, and if it's not good enough, you can kind of uh, workshop it. Um, one particular kind of homebrew feature that I, I created was actually for my wife. She plays a rogue and uh, don't ever play with your wife. I mean, it's fun, but like, uh, just be careful because whenever something bad happens, she literally just got petrified, like her character. And she was like so mad at me. But uh, as a rogue, you, you all know that like either you hit and you do lots of damage or you miss. And uh, and I was like, well, there are some people that don't like that particular like type of play, but they still like to sneak. So I created this uh, feat, and I think I think I called it Roguish Marksman, where before you roll the first attack, you can and, and and if you already have sneak attack triggered, like you can use that. You can choose to use this feat, which uh, it, instead of doing one hit it kind of splits all of the different dice of your sneak attack into different hits so it's essentially like super quick fire and for players who have really bad luck like me it's a good option too because that way if they don't hit the first one they can try again and again for all the number of dice that they have available in their sneak attack uh and you know normal dice rules apply i guess i like that that's super cool yeah. that's awesome <laughs> very interesting yeah yeah uh, I was gonna say while we're on the the topic of of combat, I was I was thinking about an episode that you guys uh, talk about making combat fun, especially in D and D five e. It can be an absolute slog if you have let's say seven players, and if four, if four of them are wizards and they have magic items, then you're sitting there and you're like, all right, so what's your dissertation for this six second turn? Go ahead. <laughs> and so, how for the for the listeners, how do you guys? Um, describe, do you describe every action that they're doing? Is Are, are you more of a story-like RP combat, or is it hey, let's just get this combat done and, and move on? Tanya, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, I mean oh man, some combats if it's just like especially early in the adventure you know, it's like, oh, they ran into some bandits or goblins, I'm totally down after they've after you, you know when it's like you're going into a battle and then like you hit a point when you're like okay everybody's felt awesome can we get this over with at that point i'll kind of fudge it a little bit right but otherwise uh i think i mean the example you gave where it's like oh there's a bunch of wizards i think that there's a few key things you can do to make sure that everybody's being quick but also being interesting environmental kind of factors is something i play with a lot uh, like different traps kind of going off uh, or different terrain and things like that. 
Um, but uh, with wizards, something that I found success with some people some people don't can't stand it but other people i, I kind of like it when wizards explain the materials they use you know like the components for their spells because like that stuff's there for a reason and i kind of want right. to like it's a good way for wizards to instead of just being like hey lightning bolt you know it's <laughs> like okay what are you like what are you using explain that you know play it out tell me what it looks like and all of those things kind of wrap up to make it so that each individual turn is very uh, like cinematic. And then once I've had enough of that, then it's like, okay, we'll find a way to end this fight quick. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. And Justin? Um, I, I think in describing combat, you can honestly kind of take some cues from the movie industry and, and even TV. Uh, my brother, when we were younger, he loved... And, and because, you know, I was like two years younger than him. I have two brothers. This is the other one, not the one that got me into D&D. But, um, you know, he would always watch Dragon Ball Z. And in Dragon Ball Z, you see them do like thousands of punches. Like, and then there's that one big one where they just punch. Uh, or in like fight scenes, you know, Jason Bourne, the camera's going like all over the place. And you, you see a couple things. But then when something like pivotal happens, that's when you really get the good camera angle. I think it's it's okay to describe combat like that and also kind of step back from the initiative aspect and help your players understand, yeah, like you're going first, they're going second, but in real life, it's more like you guys are going at the same time, but then these pivotal things happen in kind of this order. Um, and, and, and I would say definitely, listener, you need to make sure that pivotal things are well described. So maybe they do six points of damage, it's not a big deal, but if they do six points of damage and kill whatever they're facing, then that would be a good time to kind of draw out the explanation. You don't have to describe every single time the monk punches someone because you're going to be there all night. But if the monk punches someone and they fall over dead, then that would be a really cool time to kind of, like Tanner said, help them feel awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I I think that it, we have all uh, talked about it, it, you know, off camera as well. But um, with with that combat and describing the, the pivotal moments, it's kind of interesting if you can, if you see, especially as a story weaver, if you see like, oh, okay, this, this character has... 10 hit points left and you know that any any spell could be the final one or the final punch or it, if they don't do a you know maybe they roll all ones on their damage die <laughs> you can still kind of lead up to the the pivotal moment you know hey maybe the the armor's cracked maybe there's you know uh the the last time you punched maybe his jaw's missing or something you know it, <laughs> it's it's kind of it, it's fun to it's fun to feel awesome that's definitely something that that as uh, as players and even story weavers we like to that i mean we're here to have fun right so there's yeah. that um and and with that uh there was an episode that you guys talked about um and you've talked about it a couple of times but using minis and maps versus theater of the mind uh justin you said a really interesting comment to me that i wanted to kind of dive into um you said that minis and maps can have the potential to to stunt the ability of a story weaver to uh, describe a scene because you're using just these visuals. Whatever plastic is on the table, that's that's what it is. Um, and so I kind of wanted you to to talk about that if you could. Yeah, um, and it, it, it's funny when you said you made a comment to me. You, you got me scared there because I was like, crap, what did I say now? Uh, but this kind of idea came from a friend of mine. His name's Sam Olson. He's actually the one who was the game master for the Star Wars RPG that got me into RPG. And uh, his style is very much so theater of the mind. And uh, I think it works for him. For me, it's a little bit harder because I do like kind of that aspect of, you know, when distance and timing matter, 
being able to see that in, in real play. But he did bring up the point, like you said, where, um, you know, we play this game because we want to immerse ourselves. And when you kind of switch to board game mode, you're not really right. immersing yourself. Uh, and he's, he's completely right, because when you do use minis and stuff, you don't have to say, you don't have to be as specific in your explanations and you can kind of get lazy. Mm -hmm. And I find myself kind of like what we were talking about in combat. Um, you know, just getting lazy and being like, you do this much damage next because I have this much, th these many people to go through in this round. Uh, but when you are doing theater of the mind, I think it's a little bit easier to make sure everyone's turn is a little bit more noteworthy and uh, worthwhile, if that makes right. sense. Tanner, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, like I think you made a great point right there, Justin. Uh, I think that I've found, like my initial, when I homebrew content, my initial thought is, oh, I need to find maps for all of these scenes, essentially, right? Because I think the maps play a big role in people imagining that they're there. And there's so much wonderful art on the internet and like assets and things like that, that you can find it most often. But I found that in terms of role playing and a lot of the non-combat aspects, uh, like if you have like an actual map with a grid on there, I found that some players don't, I mean, they're a little bit less loosey goosey, right? They're certainly less, in some cases, less funny, you know, cause I enjoy when they're kind of being silly and things like that. And if they're just like, oh, they got to move their mini over to the, to the vendor before they start harassing them, you know, or something like that, then it's like, okay, that's going to happen less often. Uh, I think that combat, it's certainly a great place to, uh, to have a map and to have minis or icons if you're online. But if you're trying to do something a little bit more interesting, uh, you know, maybe every once in a while, don't, you know? Yeah, I, well, go ahead. Yeah, if I can add one more thing, I think one of the main reasons I also, you know, bring that up so often is because our, our mutual friend, uh, Caden Notley, mine and Tanner, he got into D&D &D on a road trip. And nice. he, he told me he was driving and the driver was like, you guys bored? And everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, you guys find yourselves this place. You know, and they didn't nice. have any paper. They didn't have any dice. You know, there was almost no rules, but he he led them through a story. And I think that's something that really everyone needs to understand who is like, oh, well, you know, do you use maps or minis or it, it doesn't matter. Just freaking get playing a game, make sure everyone's at the table is having fun. And then you can figure out details later. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's coming from a uh, kind of a, a psychological part of it when we were kids we didn't have we had sticks and mud like i mean uh, you know we're, we're all older so we we went outside we didn't play on our phones quite as often uh, as as i do now for sure but you know uh just going out and like all right this stick right here that's my flagpole all right this is you know and and doing stuff like that and building our own stuff or just like you know if we were you know whatever playing tag and things like that you if you have a story to go along with it that's i feel like that's where like D, &D stole that they they stole childhood right is that they took <laughs> they took the idea of having a story and then putting dice and and some kind of rule set to it and it it works great because like justin said you during combat if you have six players and then six enemies you've got 12 people in the in the initiative tracker so they, they have to even though it's a six second moment and everyone is technically going at the same time if we were all talking at the same time it would just be as chaotic as on the playground and like hey what did you say i don't know let's just keep going so it would it would kind of drag down 
the game. So, and I know for the three of us, we're definitely a theater theater of the mind. Uh, one because it's budget friendly, uh, because up here is free, <laughs> uh, and uh, and you guys do talk a lot about uh, budget friendly ways to uh, to do things. Uh, and before we get into uh, my next little uh, surprise, this is actually a great segue for you guys to plug. Uh, your podcast because you guys do talk a lot I mean fi over 50 episodes I think you guys are at 53 right now that I've listened to all of them uh, and uh, it's a lot of good information so Justin if you could plug you guys sure uh, so our podcast is called how to be a better DM uh, you can actually go to betterdungeonmaster.com slash listen and you can uh, you know find it on any podcast player or whatnot um, I would actually recommend starting with episode two five things every dungeon master should remember and I think I, I came up with that episode because they're mistakes that I've made. So uh, be better than me. Um, and actually, uh, we also do one shots uh, in case anyone out there is like, hey, I actually want to get started playing. And Tanner is actually going to be hosting the one shot coming up in September. So again, if you want to sign up for that, you can go to betterdungeonmaster.com slash one dash shot. It's free. Uh, and it's just a nice way to actually get in the game and, and you know, very low cost, right? Yeah, awesome. Uh, and just as an aside, if you could send me the links, uh, I can put those links in the show notes for, sure. uh, for that too. Um, so the surprise kind of thing that we talked about a little bit off scene is we do ask our guests to come up with an NPC uh, kind of on the fly. Uh, we just do like a, a little round robin uh, adding on uh, to the NPC as we go. Uh, so Justin, uh, pick our uh, our race for an NPC. Oh. Okay. Um, let's go with human. Human. Okay. Very, Very vanilla. vanilla. <laughs> <No>. Ew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So. What are um, those? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like. I'm gonna kind of make it to where uh the backstory can get a little funky. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna name uh this human uh Axamander. Uh, so a little bit more of a uh, an elvish style name, Tanner. Okay. Wait. So am I just continuing with this? Yeah. yeah just add on. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can cool. you can add a backstory. You can add uh, if you wanted to do um, and a uh, a plot hook, uh, anything like that. We we class. tend to just yeah, class okay. whatever you want to do. If for there's it. a class, it could be just a merchant. It could be anything you want. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So Axamander. The human Axamander. Uh, let's say that he's a he's a monk. He's a master okay. of martial arts. Um, uh, has less means than the average person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, go from there. All right, Thorn. Okay, Axamander. So he he became a monk because his parents were killed when he was young. Uh, they were were killed by orcs drug away uh he played dead underneath a, a, a kind of like the bed and uh they didn't really see him so he he was able to get away from that and as he came out of this this cabin their farmhouse they were living in there just happened to be an, an old monk just walking down the road and uh he kind of picked him up and took him with him bone daddy um so Axemander the monk, but whose parents were killed when he, or when he was a child by orcs, um, who got adopted by a a happy 
um, or not happy monk that was walking by. Um, the um, he's uh, he's very knowledgeable. Um, you meet him, and he's super, 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 super knowledgeable about the area that you're in. Um, he he could supply pretty much most of the information for any like any region you want to put him in. Um, he could tell you about the temple. He knows the history. But the only way that you can get information out of him is you have to beat him in a race. And I like that. But it's like the the twist is like it, it's the race can be um he he almost encourages you to cheat at the race if you <laughs> cheat at the race he gives you false information but he like he kind of egg, eggs you on he's like you know you could you can you can win any way that you think that you can win and since cool. he's a monk he's super fast so yeah uh and then the last thing that we like to give our npcs is some kind of uh extra quirk uh justin or tanner you can take this one uh, yes. So, uh, as part of his, his extra quirk, um, I would say he is part of the path of the drunken master, but his quirk isn't that he drinks alcohol. It's that he experiments with shrooms or, uh, psychedelic plants. And he's actually found specific plants that allow him to almost like kind of like phase jump. I guess that's not the right term, but like blink from one place to another because he's so fast. Uh, and kind of his quirk is that um, <clears throat> he uses this to play tricks on people in the town that he thinks are a little bit too uppity. You know, like he he, he switches their shoes so they have two left shoes. Uh, he, he's just kind of like this. He's almost like a like a fairy, but he's not. He's like this old monk or whatever. I don't even. He might not be old, but that's one of his quirks. I like it. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, for helping us build this NPC. Um, and, uh, just the, the shameless plug. If you guys like NPCs listeners, uh, we do do an NPC every week on our Patreon. Just go to slash this dungeon is occupied podcast and get on that Patreon. Uh, bone daddy. I know you had one last question before we close up and go to. I end. do. I do. That's the, I do. Um, the question that I had was, um, since we were talking a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, um, I was going to ask you. Are there any other tabletop games that you all play? Um, I know that uh, uh, Thorne's actually uh, really fond of World of Darkness. Um, we recently picked up G.I. Joe. I have Star Trek sitting on my shelf, sort of. I mean, I need to, I feel like I, it's an expansion, so I probably have to buy the original. But, uh, <laughs> um, but what other tabletop games do you play? Um, well, I'll let Justin talk about Star Wars. That's one that I've uh, played before. Really enjoy it. Uh, I also find that Pathfinder 2E, um, like the second edition of Pathfinder, I find that really fun, like specifically the uh, battle system, because it's essentially adjacent to D&D 5E in certain ways, but they just have gotten a little bit of a different direction. And it's kind of a shakeup. Uh, for me one that i haven't played but i'm interested in is uh have you guys ever heard of delta green no, i have not so it's kind of based off of uh the call of cthulhu kind of dealio uh Ooh. system but they set it more in like uh okay you're a government agency that deals with it's more modern day and you kind of deal with stuff like that and so i think that they just took the call of cthulhu kind of modernized it 
and just added some cool spy mechanics essentially so yeah uh, that one i've been looking into and i think it's really cool nice as far as uh, i go <clears throat> the the star wars uh is the only other one i've played though my brother has helped me create or start creating characters for two separate ones that as a family we've just never been able to do it was uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with the author brandon sanderson um but he has you know he has his Miss my favorite world. author yes you sh- yeah he oh, has yeah. his Mistborn world and yes. apparently there's an rpg system that we were gonna play but again my family is bad at scheduling things and then there's also <laughs> uh, from another author i don't know if you guys have heard of jim butcher no he yeah does. of course dresden exactly yeah <laughs> there's, a, there's a dresden rpg system yeah that sounded super interesting i think i was going to be like a like a fire wear panda or something nice. um it was going to be something crazy <clears throat> but one i don't know if it's out there but if you guys hear of it i would really love to play i'm a huge fan of starcraft so if there's like a starcraft rpg mm. i think that would be awesome i don't know how the mechanics would work because yeah but yeah that'd be that'd be really cool that's awesome and that is awesome that that actually came uh i came up with a, a new question uh for the end is uh is there based off of you guys playing all these different tabletops is there something that you guys have added like a, a homebrew tabletop uh table rule uh for your home games uh in dnd 5e well <clears throat> i don't know if it came from other games as it were but um when i when i started with my current group in, in my current campaign um, and I guess kind of in general, I've always been interested in adventure, right? And I've, I've always wanted to find a way to somehow bridge the gap between D and D and real life as most people probably do. Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, started encouraging my players and I have like these metal coins. I don't even know where I got them, but I said, Hey, what's like, who would like ad- or inspiration for one specific skill that, that, that their character has because you've done something this week, you know, and often I'll have one player say, yeah, I went to jujitsu. So can I have a grappling one? And, and they have to like turn nice. in the coin to, to earn that, or they have to turn in the coin when they use that, you know, and, and another one that I actually <clears throat> started, I, I did a Spartan race that gave me like this medal mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I didn't know what to do with it. So I was like, heck, I'm going to award this at the, the end of this session to the best role player. And then at the end of next session or during that next session, they can pick one skill and they get advantage on that skill the whole game, the whole session. And then at the end, they have to award it to a different player and it kind of goes around and, and it kind That's of cool. encourages better role playing. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've, I've actually seen a big difference because of that. <clears throat> That's awesome. What about you, Tanner? Okay. So I haven't implemented these yet, but I've been playing around with the idea, just trying to figure out how to do it the right way. One of them, it's actually with uh, the Flight and Fantasy Star Wars kind of system where when you're getting ready for a fight, people will roll. And then if they get like advantages is how they term it, right? Mm -hmm. Then they can actually, the players who get those advantages can add things to the scene, you know, to the environment that they can kind of play with, which I think is great in terms of combat. Because it's like, hey, at the start, the players kind of themselves get to be like, could I add like a few crates over here, you know, or Mm -hmm. could I add, you know, who knows what, right? Right. I think that's fun. Uh, From uh, from Call of Cthulhu uh, slash Delta Green, I I find the, how bonds work with them very interesting where when they, when the players go through something really hard, whether that's like a lot of either physical damage or something traumatic, most often it's like scary or traumatic, then they have a role 
And if they fail that roll, then they take psychological damage. And they can either like take that damage or they can kind of push it onto one of their relationships or their bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point they have to kind of play that out later, you know, when yeah. they're in between adventures. And so it's like, oh, if you're like, you know, if you shunt it onto one of your bonds, then you have to explain uh, to the party like what that looks like. I find that very interesting and it could totally easily apply to uh, uh, to D&D. Yeah. So it's like relationship damage? Yeah, <laughs> essentially, right? Because you yeah. have to come up with bonds anyway. So it's like, why not make it so that like if they fail or succeed in certain ways, then yeah. like certain relationships either get better or worse, right? Yeah, trauma affects everybody differently. So exactly. I got, I got one more. I got this just kind of came to me right now. Um, this is something that I know us three uh, do to each other a lot. And we're actually really good at it is like when you're RPing with your with your players, with your group, uh, like these guys are really big into world building and I will change their world in the middle of RP. I don't know uh, what you're j- talking about. Just <laughs> off, the, off the fly because I know they'll take it and roll with it. Do your players do that to you and how do you take it when they do? Go ahead, Justin. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> as far as... Um, <laughs> and this is probably how it goes for every Dungeon Master, but it's usually with NPCs, right? Um, they, they take NPCs that should be nothing and then they're like, you're part of our party now or whatnot. Um, or for some reason, you're important to the campaign. And uh, yeah, you, you definitely just have to roll with it. Other times, like if it's kind of ridiculous and it just breaks the game, you do have to say like, except no but this other thing um and and you kind of have to like dangle a carrot in another direction um i I find it's easier to to kind of go yes and when you're not playing from a uh like a like a a scripted manual like a compendium it's not a compendium it's a module um you know at least that's that's how it is for me like when i'm having them do like a side quest that's completely unrelated to whatever the book i'm using is about uh, and they're like yeah we do this and then i'm like okay cool and also, a spider shows up just because, you know, and just add more things to it. But uh, maybe that's a crutch on my part. But, yeah. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that when you are part of a module, I found that it's hard to yes and uh, what my players want to do, except in small ways, right? Um, but I would love to do that more. In fact, I, I try and, like, actively make a setting where I can do that more. Uh, but... To answer more directly, I think that a lot of players don't realize that that's allowed. Do you know? Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, we got to understand, I've been playing long enough to where I prefer chaos. Oh, yeah. So I try my hardest to just bring as much chaos to any game I'm in because, in my opinion, chaos brings good RP. That's true. So yeah. I will take characters and make them in a way that are a little broken and can bring just so much chaos. And it's, it, to me, it, it brings a lot of fun. Now I understand a lot of people can't handle it, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's good for these two guys. Cause they put up with a lot of crap for me. <laughs> and, and I know as a DM, it can be difficult and it can be hard. And especially if you're in a module, I do understand that. Um, but my biggest thing the way i look at it is this is i'm doing this so if i want to break this module i'm gonna break this module yeah and i'll just i'll just break it i don't care 
But as long as my players are having fun, why not? To Tanner's point, I, I think uh, he's incredibly correct in that most players don't know, like, uh, they, they don't know that just because there's, you know, Forgotten Realms and there are books about it, they don't understand that the world they're playing in is their own Forgotten Realms and whatever happens in the story is that's what happens. So I think they, they do definitely take cues. And, and actually, that is probably maybe a failing on my part with my players specifically of not like instructing them like, hey, like just because I have a story doesn't mean you guys have like, you don't have to care about this. You can you can go and we'll do something else, you know? Definitely. Yeah, that's that's a thing. That's definitely a thing with with all of us, even when like when I'm running, if if Robbie's running, if, if Illidine's running, it's there's never never a guarantee we're going to hit every spot that we're ready for in fact we usually miss most of it <laughs> i have a binder sitting on my shelf that we have not touched in three arcs of my campaign <laughs> so, yeah I have like a whole section of a forest that i had built that um never we never got to <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, know. Do, I have a question um this is one of my favorite topics because i'm i'm just it's my favorite thing to play as i'm a huge horror fan so like I'm a huge horror buff. I, I read a lot of horror. A lot of my games are horror based. So I have um, a lot of body horror, a lot of like monsters, a lot of um, like creepy things going on. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on, on horror and Dungeons and Dragons and DMing? Do you introduce a lot of horror into your games or how do you feel about it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, horror is kind of one of those things uh, you know how when you have like sweet and sour dishes that it like it really like the contrast brings it out i think it's the exact same uh even though like a lot of my adventures lean towards more uh lighthearted uh or silly at some some points uh i really only am comfortable doing that because i have other moments where i add a lot of suspense you know or where the stakes kind of ramp up and it seems like the hope is lost and, and the players are doing everything they can, but it's like they're coming up short. Uh, I think those are classic ways to create, you know, horror, even if it's not like some massive, like wriggling, massive tendrils that's like dragging you into it, right? Yeah. It doesn't always have to be like that for players to feel helpless, which is kind of the the core of horror, right? Exactly. Yeah. Just the subtle things, you know? The yeah. subtleties. And, and if I could add, I think a lot of doing horror correctly uh, in, in large amounts or small is specifically foreshadowing and tension building, like Tanner said. Um, you know, you got to under, well, as a story weaver, it's best to think of, in my opinion, horror as kind of a roller coaster and uh, maybe a reverse roller coaster because the highest part is always towards the end when there's the most climax and then there's that big drop and then it's, you're done. Um, but being able to build the tension and then release it like Tanner said like in most horror movies there's like at least one point of like kind of a even if it's super dry just like a small joke to let you calm down there's there's music that's soft where you're like okay I think we're safe for a second and then the, the music stops and then you're like uh oh you know mm -hmm. and, and I think being able to use those not tricks but techniques to to give your players kind of unspoken promises and then fulfill on those promises but in unexpected ways. And I think that's the that's the hard part. 
It's like the it's like the video game, right? It's the the health pack at the at the next door, and you're like, uh, yeah. I, I I should <laughs> I should quick save right now. Boss level. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have just blown through time. Uh, and so we will come to a close. But I thank you guys uh, for coming on. And honestly, uh, I'm probably going to be signing up, uh, maybe not for September, but I'm probably going to do a, a one shot with you guys. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, maybe, definitely. Maybe we can get you guys back on uh, yeah. at a later time. And uh, we'd love that. And also, I don't know if you guys w- would be up for this, but maybe we could have each of you guys be the host of the one shot at, at one point that way you guys can meet some new people and Ooh, you know ex- expand your your reach yeah, I, don't, awesome. I don't know what you what do you think yeah. about it, tanner yeah i'd love that honestly you guys obviously have uh more experience <laughs> <laughs> so and i also just love seeing how other dms just their style because so sure. it's all so different yeah. and uh, yeah anyway would love to have you oh yeah awesome. definitely yeah uh, so listeners, uh, this was the How to Be a Better DM podcast with Justin and Tanner uh, on the This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. Uh, and there is plans. That's a, a mouthful right there. Uh, <laughs> but there is plans uh, for the three of us to go across a uh, platform and go and talk on their podcast as well. So make sure you guys look at the uh, uh, the notes down at the bottom uh, to check out their podcast as well. And make sure to sign up for their uh, their their one shot uh and uh that's that's it for this episode if you guys want to stay on for a little bit we'll we'll do a a behind the scenes content for our patreon uh and uh that's it so guys remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied what's up weavers of the realm as always thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode Uh, If you haven't already, click that like button and subscribe or follow us on your chosen platforms. It goes a long way to help us grow. Uh, And if you liked the intro music that we just used, it was made with the help of The Hobby Hub on YouTube and Saturn Imaging Production Company. Uh, Also, if you want exclusive content like NPC of the Week, Discord access, and behind the scenes, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast. And of course, the link to our merch store, social medias, and all the other podcast uh, platforms are available on our link tree in the show notes. Good luck in your games, steal everything, and have fun.